Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Many of us, if we're being honest, have given up hope on good sleep. But why? Well, if you're like me, you've tried everything and nothing has helped. So if we're not going to sleep well anyway, why try? That kind of thinking is so 2021. It's time to rethink our nights and days and demand more from our sleep. Talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm happy to have back on for the third time, Michelle Collins. Michelle is a joyful soul who has endured a lot of tragedy in her life. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know that Michelle has been a fairly regular guest. The first episode that she was on, we discussed a lot of personal tragedy she's been through. The second, we discussed relationships and deep listening. And this time, we get a unique perspective of her joy, of her thoughts as we go through this pandemic. Before we jump into the conversation, enjoy a poem from Michelle and the introduction, and then also a meditation during the intermission. Michelle Collins. Congratulations. You've been granted entry into the race of your life. No training, planning, or talent could possibly have prepared you. Staggering obstacles dropped in your path. You never dreamed you'd need to overcome. Hold on. Look deep inside and see you are prepared. You were born for this. Your heart knows you need this race to discover. You, courageous and brave, you face this unplanned challenge, forced into the arena of this experience. Take this opportunity to showcase newfound strength. Race past the requirement to step in. Dance to the center and show off your best move. As you rise to conquer this challenge, you will see the truth of your perfection. It sparks a flame that blazes out and lights up the world. The unique light of you. Your beaming light is so bright, it clears our blindness to our own perfection. Clarity, bravery, courage. Your win leads the way for us all. Congratulations. Well, we are back with now three-time guest of Dr. D's social network, Michelle Collins. Hi, Darian. Thanks for having me again. A triple threat, I guess. Of course. You are the triple threat. You have been on now three times. That must mean I like you a decent amount. Yeah. Oh, well, I like you too. And I enjoy your podcast. It's, uh, I was thinking about it last night, um, it kind of reminds me of that line from Forrest Gump 
when he's talking about life being like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, your your podcast is by far of any podcast I've ever listened to the most wide ranging as far as guests and subject matter. You literally never know when you tune into your podcast what you're going to get. And I love that because it's, <laughs> you know, it's so many different points of view and different people. And uh, I think that one of the unfortunate aspects of our current um, media blasts that we get is that we can select such a narrow point of view from all of our input. And I think that's part of what's uh, caused so much division. Um in, in just the world that you're, you're allowed to just see your point of view and just talk to people that back up your point of view and not talk to anyone who doesn't. And I think the lack of that discourse has really done all of us a disservice. I'm interested in a lot of things and I'm not necessarily, (laughs) yeah, I'm not interested in having things that like just about fitness and stuff. Like, I mean, it's, it's my profession, but like uh, definitely more things I like in my life than just fitness. And you know, there's just so much going on in the world. I just had a guy talk about artificial intelligence. I was so pumped during that whole thing. I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear more about this, you know? Oh, I listened to that one, Matt O'Connor. I loved how you brought in the Skynet reference. That was so funny. Oh, yeah. Because that's what most people think about artificial intelligence, like from the Terminator or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that about you. um, Thank you. You just really open up. You're you're really curious. and. You know, some of your guests say some pretty controversial things or, <laughs> you know, you're, you're all over the place. And then, but you are not judging. You're just no. being curious. There's no, it's not inflammatory. That's what I appreciate the most about it is it, it's open curiosity and there's no right or wrong, good or bad. And, and we just need more of that to flood our airwaves than all of the you know, judgmental, right and wrong. If you don't think like me, you are wrong, uninformed, stupid and bad. And it's just, I mean, causing a lot of strife for people and inflammation. You know, we think of inflammation as something that happens to our physical body, but it's not a separate issue. I agree with that. I think there's, that's a weird a weird and interesting and beautiful way of saying that inflammation. I got to think about that a little bit more. Um, well, I get that. I get that point of view from my studies of Ayurveda, which is like the medical science uh, partner of yoga or part of yoga. It's actually yoga part of Ayurveda, but anyway, technicality. Um, Ayurveda really looks at the your being as a whole being. For example, when you talk about digestion, um, from an Ayurvedic point of view, it's not just the food you eat, it's every exposure that you have. For example, eating um, or watching, you know, news, uh, a a news, especially now during the uh, pandemic, the news broadcasts, if you watch a news broadcast at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, it's like trying to eat or while you're watching it, eating a pepperoni pizza, you know, it's just, is it's too much for you to digest and you need to digest your emotional, mental, relational exposures, as well as the food you eat. So you can become inflamed 
think how many angry people are out there. It's because they're not, they're not nourishing their bodies with things or their minds with things they can digest. I think you have to be careful what you expose yourself to in a sense. Uh, I'll give you a good example. And, and what you mentioned is, you know, I, I never really watch any of those task force briefings from the white house. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I'm going to watch a couple of these just, just to see, because I've heard about it, you know, kind of the train wreck that it is apparently. Um, and I watched it and it, it definitely was a train wreck. And, but I felt like I was like, there's only so much of this I could take. And my wife was like getting completely enraged. And I said, I had to like calm her down. And I was like, okay, you can't watch this. Clearly, this is like blowing you apart, watching the president talking and saying weird stuff. Like you're having this very visceral, angry reaction. And then I talked about how like, in my, it always comes back to my podcast. I swear, I'm like talking to people. I'm like, we've talked a lot about what you are exposing yourself to. And that emotional um, uh, collision that you're having with the the content that's on the screen, it, it does play on how you feel. And Absolutely. there's some carnage, there's carnage, there's collateral damage from what you're watching. So yeah, I see what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sets off the stress response uh, in your body, which you are familiar with. I know, yes. you know, where your cortisol levels and, you know, your blood pressure, heart rate, you sweat, your immune system gets suppressed. Uh, you know, all of these things, and you're doing this at night before you're trying to sleep, well, of course, you're not going to sleep well, and that interferes with your immunity as well. So yeah, you you really, people really need to be, you know, I I kind of think of it when I'm talking to clients um, in my wellness coaching business, I think of it as a two-pronged approach. You need to limit your exposure to inflammatory material both what you ingest, uh, you know, visually, all your senses. And then you also need to have um, mindfulness practice or some sort of health-related centering practice. Um, And it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't have to be like a physical exercise, although as we know, exercise is very important for health. But I mean, um, meditation, mindfulness, walking in nature, uh, some people get really centered when they're on a long run, you know, anything that just brings you present into your body. And I think that without that type of a practice, I don't know how people are getting through this pandemic with, you know, just being bathed constantly in the energy of fear. Mm. It's true. I, I Well, I think there's obviously going to be several subplots to this of an enduring um issues that we're going to face as a country. And um, just how we face them is going to be very interesting. I think we're we're very, you know, tagged into what's happening currently, but not always really, you know, focused in on the long-term aspects of our health, uh, especially um, how a pandemic affects that, you know. So I, I'd love to hear, like, your perspective on how things are going in your life and um, how you've approached all this. Well, uh, thank you for asking. I um, This is really one of the more important things I can do. I, I've been trying to just connect with people um, on a personal level and, and support, uh, of course, my clients and students. I'm 
teaching yoga still, um, very reluctantly moved it online. <laughs> I think you and I talked about that. Yeah. When I was first on your podcast, like a year ago, I, I was saying, no, I'm not going to, I don't want to teach online. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. remember if that was in the podcast. Or I don't not, remember but, either. <laughs> um, I just remember talking to you about your business and thinking, no, I, I can't connect with people that way because I'm so energetically sensitive. I need to feel how people are feeling uh, in order to provide a, the best yoga class for them. Uh, so I never thought I could do that, uh, virtually and it's, but I was motivated because I have this really special class that I was teaching, um, before my yoga studio shut down, uh, really, a beautiful population, the most inspiring students you'd ever have, um, that it's mostly chair-based yoga. A lot of them have chronic disease, including Parkinson's and MS, uh, hip replacements. Well, every joint you can think of replaced um, and other types of things like fibromyalgia. Uh, you know, this is, a, this is a population that is so needing their yoga. For some of them, this is the only activity they get through the week. And when they asked me if I was going to teach online, I couldn't say no. Um, so I figured it out. I talked a lot of them. I just gave them my phone number and I would just talk through over the phone how how they could download Zoom. And <laughs> so it's been uh, it's been tech support as well mm-hmm. as yoga support. But you know what? If these people in with with all the challenges they have are going to show up. For my class, you bet I'm going to show up. I am not going to stop teaching. And um, it's gone, you know, it's certainly not without its challenges, but it's gone much better than I expected. And um, my coaching was always online. You know, uh, I mean, I would coach in person if it was a local uh, person. Of course, I love meeting at a coffee shop. And um, But most of my clients are not local, so I'm on Zoom with them anyway. And then I've started adding just this week, um, I, I started adding a kind of goofy yoga class. Um, I'm calling it groan yoga, G R O A N Mm -hmm. because we all need to groan right now. I mean, you just need to let it out. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing it with my friend who's a yoga teacher. Her name's Courtney Cronk and the two of us just kind of it's kind of part comedy routine and part yoga class. It's a nice, short, easy uh, flow to just get you moving and get you laughing. And uh, so that's, that's adaptation, right? Like all, all your guests that have come on that I heard have talked about how uh, this is a, this is a big flip the switch, right? And you have to adapt. And so I begrudgingly, it took me weeks, but but I'm, I'm doing my best. And, um, you know, as the rest of it, uh, as far as, you know, I, I live mostly by myself. I have a dog. None of that's changed. You know, I still have some income, um, from coaching and now, uh, the yoga classes I'm teaching, I'm doing all donation based. If people can't afford to pay for yoga, I'm still going to provide it because it's so important for people to maintain their health right now. Um, the other program I'm doing is called Mindful Family. As I mentioned earlier, just mindfulness, I think, is one of the most important ways to get through stress, uh, to 
survive and thrive under these conditions. And I have a program called Mindful Family, where I have the whole family come together now online, which is challenging, of course, if the children are young. But um, I just run them through some different mindfulness practices based on the age of the kids and the attention span of the kids and the parents. Mm Never thought I'd run that one online and um, it's, it's going okay. And I'm just going to, you know, keep trying to provide as many services as I can. Um, And, and, you know, on a personal level, uh, talking to my neighbors, you know, when they're out and about and checking in with them, making sure everything's okay. Whereas I might've just walked by with a wave, you know, previously Um, I live in a, small condo complex where there's a lot of people who are, you know, older and um, they're all doing well, but we all check on each other, which is really nice. Man, that's interesting. I just, I love hearing the perspective of people have, and I think I would like to transition into one, because I think your whole existence fascinates me. And (laughs) I know it sounded weird when I said it, but it's just how I feel. I'm going to say how I feel. That's and, great. Uh, well, I mean, this is your third time. Like, I don't, I never thought about like, oh, I'm going to have this person on three times, four times. Like, I have to really feel it to want to talk to somebody over and over again. You know, I like talking well, to you. I feel blessed and I'm, I'm glad I'm fascinating. What you are. You You're fascinating to me. I think because you, I like seeing how you're evolving over time. And so I guess my next question as I'm thinking is like, since we first talked in that very um, emotional first podcast where you let it all out, how have you changed since then? Have you changed or what's been that journey? What has that journey been like from then to now? Mm, Thank you for asking. That's a great question. And I do, um, I do want to share uh, I've gone through a pretty major shift again. It seems to be a kind of an ongoing thing in my life. And I'm going to say that the biggest um, difference between then and now is surrender. Uh, acceptance, learning how to suffer as Tit Nhat Hanh would say, um, the the art of suffering well. Uh, and this is a really important point for people who, especially people who've gone through trauma. And the more I learn about trauma, the more I realize pretty much everyone's had trauma in their life, um, is to, and this is something mindfulness helps with, because you're able to step out and observe your behaviors and responses and emotions rather than be uh, ruled or run by your emotions and experiences. So the surrender piece comes from, I got to a point where I was so uncomfortable with some different aspects of my life, my personal life, uh, particularly, that I got sick. I actually got physically sick from emotional stress. Here I am a, you know, meditation teacher and a yoga, uh, yoga therapist and a Reiki master. And I am 
so stressed out emotionally that I'm sick. I mean, that's what I'm attributing it to because I I went to six different doctors and haven't had any diagnosis or anything, which I'm grateful for. But all I wanted was my suffering to end. I I couldn't stand feeling crummy all the time. And what shifted it for me was, you know, Michael Singer has this book called The Surrender Experiment. It's that and the Tich Nhat Hanh. The idea that suffering is part of your existence and resisting it is not the way to make it go away. The, made, the, the way to make it go away is, or, or the way to not suffer from your suffering is to accept your situation with compassion and kindness. No matter what's going on, you greet it with compassion and kindness and it lessens your suffering. It may not change the situation, but it changes the way you feel about it. And that's everything. You know, you can translate that to what's going on with the pandemic right now. People who are panicking are suffering much, much more than people who, you know, especially I love my spiritual friends. You know, they're like, oh, I'm learning so much from this. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is such a great growth opportunity. Yeah. Like, you know, you can't say that to regular people. Yeah. You don't say that to your... just don't say that right. to people in New York right now, man. No, don't... no, it's horrible. And it's tragic and sad and traumatic. But I just, you know, like you, I love having a variety of people. And I'm curious, but um, I just it. It's just interesting, the really highly, you know, spiritual podcasts that I listen to, like, it's such a growth opportunity, you know, we're moving from the third dimension to the fifth dimension. And this is Gaia telling us, and I'm not making fun of them. I love this belief because those, it's, it's, uh, you know, wonderful to watch people going through this pandemic. Sure enjoy like they're not suffering at all they're going yeah this is this is great this shift yeah <laughs> and, and for for a lot of people they're just that's not that's they can't relate to the greatness of this situation and so <laughs> the greatness um, yeah yeah this is this is an opportunity and i actually when i was listening to um your podcast with Christina, I'm going to mess up her last name, Tarantola. Tarantola, yeah. Tarantola. Um, I noticed she she had a, an attitude that I can relate to a little bit about how um, this will wake people up. And it, some people will learn from this. And you were talking about that uh, pregnant homeless woman that you yes. had on too. Yes, yes. Um, you know, sometimes when you're faced with a situation and bringing it back around to your your original question, um, you are forced to release things and you realize that in your life, there are things you can't control. My personal philosophy is you really can't control anything. And letting go of the attempt to control is freeing. And when you become free, you can have peace and joy and love. Yeah. So over the last, since last time, you know, since our first uh, meeting together, I've gone through a process of letting go of things that I can't control 
that doesn't mean things are what I want them to be. But I am in a more peaceful place because of it. And that's what I have control over. That's wonderful. I I love how you explain things. And it's and then you bring in these kind of it's kind of heavy stuff, but then you bring in these very kind of whimsical fun elements with it. And I thought the whole thing with the um, you know, like highly spiritual folks and they're like, This is great, you know, like <laughs> you have to be you know, for me, like I hear a lot of interesting thing. I'll put it this way. I hear a lot of interesting things all the time on the podcast. And I think it's just, you have to be aware of kind of your situation, your setting and stuff. I think it's a great attitude to feel like this is great, but like, I mean, you can't say that in an ICU and exactly people you, are dying yeah. and stuff or like it's, and people look at you, they think, Oh, there's such a pompous person, you know, like saying that you, you have to, you have to be malleable in a sense, you can still have the positive attitude and stuff, but you can also acknowledge that there's real pain, there's real suffering and real loss going on for a lot of people. If just oh, yeah. because it's not affecting you, doesn't you may be thousands of miles away from a family who lost everything. They don't want to hear that shit, man, during that time. Exactly. You know? That's that's exactly exactly what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, you have to be careful about how you infuse that into other people. I think for me, I'm very careful about like when I hear something on my podcast that maybe I'm not that into or I maybe disagree with, I don't feel it's my job to like attack them or push them so hard against it because then it's just become this weird defensive audio taping of some weird fight we had or something, you know? And Yeah, then and it, it becomes a, a debate. And yeah, it's not about that's that. That's part of why your podcasting is so um, successful, interesting. I, I don't know what word to use there, but it's because <laughs> you um, you just keep asking because you, you let curiosity lead, not judgment or expectation. Yes. I'm curious about people. It's like I'm curious about you. I'm always curious about how you're continu continuing to move along. In life, yeah. you know, as we're thinking about this, I'm laying on the ground before we get on to record this. I'm just laying with my thoughts and I'm I'm thinking about what's this going to be like. I'm thinking about the first time we talked. Then I started laughing because I was thinking about the second time we started talking about like your dating life. And I started chuckling, thinking about it. <laughs> and then I'm like, what's this going to be like? <laughs> you know, and now we're in a pandemic. Well, if we were talking about my dating life, I, I'm guessing, I don't remember, but I'm guessing it was a very short conversation. No, it was long, actually. It oh. was like a whole thing about... We'll have to go back and listen sometime. You're like, oh, no, I have to listen to this again. I can see what, <laughs> what did I say? Oh, man. Well, and since I, since I first started talking with you, I've gotten my book focused, and I'm okay. going to put a lot of these thoughts that I've shared with you over our time together into a book, finally, along with my story. Um, and it is just about drafted. And I think Great. we will see it, I hope, in bookstores. I hope there's still bookstores. Um, right. Uh, in September is the current uh, thought. But with everything that's happening, I'm, I'm having, you know, I'm hopeful. And that's my goal date, but I'm also mm -hmm. going to be flexible because 
who knows what's good, what even next week is going to be like. Right. So this has been in the making for a while, this book? Yeah. Well, I originally, I've been writing forever and I just uh, had never published anything. When I met my second husband, I had um, a series of books that I was working on. It was a series of six or seven books, um, just about the, the kind of stuff that you and I always talk about, you know, wellness, um, health, well-being, mind, body, the things I'd learned in my yoga journey. And then um, uh, getting married to my second husband was uh, obviously a very big uh, thing, <laughs> explosion in my life, if you Clearly, will. And yes. then, you know, less than two years after we met, he died by suicide. And that really sent my life on a, you know, it was a life shock. It was a trauma and uh, sent me on a completely different trajectory. Um, and the book that I started a year after he died was a book that was like a suicide loss companion. Um, and I'm still, I'm still going to put that out, but I think I'm going to put it out like uh, maybe an ebook or something later. Um, I set that aside and started writing the book that is coming out now. Um, and the writing of which uh, really helped me heal my story. You know, I've always been a journaler. I've always been a, a writer. Um, I write to emote, you know, to get my emotions out. It's like right. a cheap form of therapy. And um, so I, I wrote all this, all these stories and now what I'm doing in this book is matching the story. So it's not exactly a memoir. It's an educational memoir. So my story, and then I follow each story with a lesson and a way that you can integrate the lesson into your own life. Because I, I feel like if, if you go through something and you can heal, you're really almost obligated to to share, um, to support, to, to serve, you know, so if w whatever you've gone through, somebody else has gone through, uh, at least something similar. And if you can heal a trauma or you can, re you know, recover, I don't think that anything's, you know, you're never healed. You're never what you were before, but if, if you have the capability of sharing um, a story and practices that help with wholeness, recovery, um, suffering less, learn to suffer well, that that sharing that is the best thing you can do. I mean, it, it almost makes, um, it, you know, it gives, if you give purpose to tragedy, it mm. really, really really helps. And I think that, that, you know, I have that ability and I have that calling. So that's, and, and I'm going to have more books, but it'll be nice to get this first one done. All my author friends are like, just get it done. And then, right. you know, once you get rid of that first one, you know, it'll be a toddler when the second one's born. And it's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. That purpose to tragedy that struck me when you said that. I don't think mm -hmm. I've ever heard that before, but not surprising coming from you to hear <laughs> something so eloquent. And I think your story was the beginning of me exploring more of that tragedy with other people. 
I, I, I think I've told you this, but if I haven't, I mean, your story was a big jump off point for my podcast. It was a sentinel moment where I felt like, you know, there's something here with sharing these stories mm-hmm. and um, understanding the pain from another person. And so now there's a lot of people who want to share their pain and their stories. And, um, and it's really, it's really neat to be a part of it, to just listen. And I think I've also learned from you, part of what we talked about sec- our second time together was deep listening as well. Yeah. And uh, I have to give you a lot of credit for that because that is something I feel like I've improving upon in my podcast. And that is a lot of, because of you. And <laughs> you're pointing yeah. that out, pushing that, pushing it. me. Yeah. Pushing me to um, continue in that vein. I actually even had, I recorded a podcast last week with uh, like a college entrance um, transition person. See, I'm, I'm working with everybody. I got all types of people <laughs> coming. And she's like, I'm a communication specialist. And I noticed you pause for like three or four seconds after somebody finishes. I'm like, yep, I, I need to think about what was just landed on top of me. <laughs> you know, and- Well, and that's also, I think it's nice for the audience. I mean, our ears get tired, right? You can only yeah. take in so much. I remember Liam McClintock, when he was on your show, um, it, he was one of the people that there's, there's different numbers, but some people say, you know, uh, eight, 80 million bits of information come into our, mm-hmm. or maybe it's 80,000. I don't know. And numbers and I aren't, aren't really <laughs> not friends. <laughs> well, we're, you know, kind of my best, but, <laughs> yeah, I try to remember statistics, but that's just not my strong suit. And I know that. Okay. So, um, but of the, I'm going to say 80 million and somebody can look it up when they're listening mm. and, and find out if I'm even within a power of 10 and that of all of that, you know, maybe, um, you know, a few hundred thousand or what we actually take in. You know, it's it's a tiny, tiny percentage, which I think explains why a lot of people you'll put two people in the same situation. Right. They'll go. You'll go see a movie with your wife or uh, listen to a podcast and the two people will come out of there talking about what sounds like almost two completely different movies. Because one of you is taking in through your lens, through your story, through what you understand. And the other of you is taking in, you know, and so you really have a very different experience uh, with, with even the same exposure. And I think it's, it's how we filter things. So it's nice that you give your readers or your listeners a little pause to digest. (laughs) I think it's a lot to take sometimes, you know, it's, especially when someone like yourself downloads onto me a very um difficult story it's like yeah. man this hit me like in the chest like I need to really like think about this i need to hash this out and then i go talk about it with my wife later on i'm like you'll never believe what i heard today this is like this is unbelievable the stories i'm hearing and she's like how do you deal with all this like i'm like i don't know i'd like hearing these stories as weird as it sounds you know it's just well, they're just and- people's stories and you're bringing it to an audience that can relate it, it, to the stories. And that's your purpose, right? Back to that, back to that. You know, um, I don't know if you've heard of David Kessler. He worked with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, mm. who was the person who first um, uh, 
identified the stages of dying. Right. Does that sound familiar yeah, to you? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yes, definitely. So then shifted it to the stages of grief because it started out with just working with the dying. And then um, just recently, uh, David Kessler, he has a new book out too, uh, was approved by the uh, Kubler-Ross um, Foundation or whoever runs her um, brand now to add a sixth stage. And the sixth stage is purpose. So not that you can get, and you know, he, he was, I think in his forties and a psychology professor when he lost, uh, his son died at age 21. Um, and you know, he, he says, I just recently heard him on a podcast, I think with Brene Brown was the interviewer. He said that, um, you know, you can't just go straight to purpose. (laughs) Yeah. Even though none of the stages uh, are linear or even, you know, once you're, once you've gone through them, they're done. You revisit all the time. But I think that purpose is one of the most important things any experience can bring. You know, if you, if you have purpose, like I have with being of service to people who have suicide loss, who have, you know, health issues, any way that I can be of service with my skills and my experience, it gives my experience meaning and gives my life purpose. And without that, it's, it's a lot, it's, it's a a greater sense of suffering. It uh, reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever read uh, the book by Viktor Frankl, you know, survivor mm-hmm. of man's search for meaning, I believe. And yeah, talking about I assigning actually, meaning. I have a ton of books in my bookshelf, and that one is Sideways. So it's the only one that's standing up sideways that I always have the cover facing me. It's amazing. It's, uh, it's a really incredible. It's exceptional. Yeah. If you haven't read this, I'm not a big reader, honestly. It is the truth. But um, it is, it is mind-blowing. It will change your perception of horror and grief and living through tragedy. I mean, if you're, we're in a pandemic, you should read this Mm -hmm. book during the pandemic. It will change how you view the pandemic in the sense, in thinking about the Holocaust and survival and, and then coming out on the other end with a very positive, uh, assignment of, of meaning to life. Yeah. That's incredible. I think, and I think, what are your thoughts about our current pandemic and people's purpose and how that's being affected during it? Well, I think, uh, wow. I think that's a really big question. First of all, (laughs) you know how Um, this goes. (laughs) I know I do. I do. Um, I, and I love it. Um, I think there are going to be some people who suffer greatly because they can't see past what they've lost. They are completely focused on what they've lost. Um, I know one of your guests, uh, I think it was Christina actually was mentioning, um, it got real for her when her gym closed, mm-hmm. it, you know, and we, we've all lost something. I, I well, I shouldn't say we've all, uh, all the stories I'm aware of, everyone's lost something. And in that loss, can be just pure suffering if you can just focus on that or you can look for um, 
meaning, purpose, silver lining, which I believe is in every experience. Um, even after all I've been through, I do believe that. I have to. Uh, and that would be what I'm hoping my my prayer for my my prayer for this pandemic is that people will be reached in a deep level in a deep way to find maybe some of the things in their life that they can't do now some of the loss that they've experienced not people of course um but you know, when people that have died of COVID, but the people that are, um, the loss is a loss of their job or a loss of, uh, an activity that they used to enjoy. Um, that they, that people are blessed with introspection and the ability to say, you know what, I hated that job and I'm going to, my next job is going to be something that is meaningful to me, something that lets me allow, you know, my skills and my talents to come together with my interests and allow me to serve the the world with my purpose or, or, you know, this is a high and lofty goal for people. I understand. Right. Um, but I'm hoping at least some people will come through this sort of cleansed of the bullshit, you know, and it may be relationships. It may be that now after being stuck at home for six weeks with your roommate or your, you know, whatever your relationship is, you know, I don't want to recommend people get divorced or anything like that. But maybe you're able to look with a new eye at something that's been garbaging up your life and be able to do something about it, you know, like a cleanse. Uh, a shift, an opportunity for growth. And that's, you know, best case scenario. And um, I know that's not going to happen for everybody. Uh, but I sure, you know, pray that it will happen for a lot of people. This brief mindful breathing exercise will help you bring calm to your body and clarity to your mind. Enjoy a comfortable seat. Try to keep your spine long so you're not folded in on yourself. And then take a deep belly breath. To help you be sure you're breathing deeply into your belly, you can bring your hands to your belly. And on your inhale, your hands should move outward. On your exhale, your hands will move towards your spine. Close your eyes or lower your gaze. Soften your face, your jaw, your shoulders. And then, as you continue to take deep belly breaths, notice the pause at the end of your exhale. Each time you exhale, there's a brief pause. See if you can keep your entire awareness focused on that pause. After a few breaths, noticing the pause at the end of your exhale, try to extend that pause just by a beat or two. 
not long enough to make you feel uncomfortable or breathless, just a short extension of the pause at the end of your exhale. And now take a nice deep breath in and gently let it out. As you open your eyes, allow your breathing to return to its natural state and enjoy your newfound calm. I hope so too. I hope so too. I feel like I've gotten in this discussion with a lot of people and kind of the almost two sides of the equation, like the optimistic side of me, which is most of me wants that. But then <laughs> there's like the other side that people sometimes go, I don't know if we should acknowledge it, but sometimes it's just the reality that there's some level of immutability in people's behavior, some level that it will not change anything for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, there's going to be a lot or, or that it actually gets worse. Yes. That they become sicker, more angry, um, more distanced from their ability to serve or their, their reason for being. Um, yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to early on during the, the big panic phase, you know, when things were mm -hmm. just shutting down and everybody was really freaking out and fighting over toilet paper. Um, yes. I, what I noticed, what I observed was a, that the pandemic was like a magnifying glass. It was showing people, showing a deeper self, but not necessarily in a good way. If, if somebody was already angry and entitled mm -hmm. and feeling um, justified at expressing anger and, you know, whatever it is, racism, um, that those things actually got magnified where people that were driven by kindness, compassion, service, then those people got magnified. So they may have been doing a small kindness, compassion service, you know, living in a way that, that allowed that. And then all of a sudden they're making 10,000 masks or, you know, driving uh, meals to people who can't leave their homes or, you know what I mean? So I really felt like, and I felt this way on um, social media too, that people were really, and, and, and media in general, magnified who they are is just bigger and more. Uh, I don't feel that way as much now, but I did definitely the first few weeks of, of the um, sort of panic part. How did you view, how have you viewed as, it's, it's right, there's, there's a lot of transitions in this. How have you viewed uh, the transition of um, some level of protesting that has occurred in different states? I'm curious how that has been magnified in behavior. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. The one thing I was like, I hope he doesn't want to talk about the protesters. <laughs> I'm just, I, don't, I don't have no judgment, you know, I'm just asking. That's all. No, I know. It's just, that's one of the, one of the things that I've had to do a lot of work around. Um, when I first saw people protesting, it really upset me. I, 
I have to say, I mean, I'm upset that people are sick and dying. I'm upset that our frontline workers don't have uh, the equipment they need. I'm upset that we don't have enough testing, um, that we don't have uh, camaraderie, community collaboration in our leadership. You know, I'm upset about those things and I've been working through that. But the protesters, when I first saw that, ah, I, it really took some work. So, so here's where I am with that now. Um, We live in a country, and I honestly don't know if other countries are protesting or not, um, but I only peek at the news just a little bit because, again, I like to limit my toxic exposures. Mm -hmm. So when I look, when I think about it now, I realize we live in a country where we value our freedom over almost everything. And what this demonstrates is that some people are valuing freedom over death. And the thing that breaks my heart about it is that the protesters who may may be out there protesting and exposed to the virus are then bringing it home. Not that anyone deserves to get the virus, no matter what their thoughts and beliefs are. Um, but if they're bringing it home to their family and, you know, if they're making the situation worse, by not following the government recommendations. On the other hand, we live in a free country and we are allowed to protest. And um, it scares me, honestly. Uh, the the conspiracy theories, it, it, it makes me feel fear that people are not educated um, enough to be safe. Yeah. And I don't like the way that came out. That sounded very judgmental <laughs> yeah. and I try not to be, but we're not I feel like, hey, Michelle. I feel like <laughs> I know, I know. I feel like we need to do our best to educate ourselves. And I feel very sad that there are so many people out there who are so mistrusting uh, can you trust any of the information that you're getting? You know, I had a friend on Facebook. I know you don't have Facebook and I don't blame you, but um, <laughs> there are some, there are some cool, joyful videos that I like. on there. <laughs> but I had a friend who posted just recently, do you know anyone that has COVID? And the underlying theme of that post was, I don't believe it exists. And I believe this is a government plot for some sort of control, which I don't understand that thinking, because why would Mm -hmm. the government want to make us all broken homeless? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I do have a brother who's an emergency room physician, and he's been working with, you know, so I mean, I have that secondhand information, but he's not going to lie to me. So I know... I know it's out there and I know it's not just images I see on television, but it, it makes me sad that we are so distrustful that a post like that could happen. And I know some of my friends are like, you, you just figured this out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's sort yeah. of a grieving with it though. It's um, I'm kind of with you. I had a very visceral reaction to seeing it and um, 
watching. And then I started going into the more rational version of myself. Because, uh, I mean, I admit I was very irrational when I saw that. I was, and I, and I knew it. I pulled back immediately and I was like, this is not me. This mm-hmm. is not how I conduct myself and how I respond. I'm in my home, so nobody's seeing me become irrational. <laughs> you know, I'm like, but as I step back. get a new chair or whatever yeah, you kicked and broke. <laughs> whatever I kicked and wanted to punch, it's not, you know, it's fine. But I started thinking about kind of like, so I talked to my wife, we're always having these talks late in the evening and I was like, what's the mindset? You know, often let's take a deeper look at this, you know, let's, let's try to understand, you know, seek to understand the behavior. I mean, that's really just what's going on in their mind. And I said, let's look at it this way. You've been in your house for a long time, your residence, wherever it may be. And what may be happening is maybe the call for going back to work is, is more than a call for going back to work. It's a call to be released from the suffering of being faced with what's really happening in your life in the sense of you've been put into isolation potentially by yourself or with other people that you really don't like. You might not like yourself and you've had a lot of time with yourself now. You might not (laughs) like these people you're spending all this time. I mean, you have to think that there's a good portion of people who have crafted their life to not spend time with the people that are in their home on a regular basis. Yeah. And so all of a sudden they have been forced to spend time with people that they have had a sparsely been around or have had kind of an arm's length relationship with. And for them, it's in their mind, it's worked for a very long time. And it wasn't their choice to all of a sudden be involved in these relationships. Sounds weird, I know. Like, say you're, you know, you're with a significant other, your children and stuff. Some people, they may have all those things, but they really don't want it that closely in their life. They just want to have it. They don't want to be in it all the time or regularly. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was, that's what I was referring to when I was saying, you know, people can maybe recognize something that needs cleansing. Yeah. It's, they get, you're getting too, it's like I told my wife, I said, it's almost like Icarus. They got too close to the sun (laughs) and it burned them and they don't want that. And they may have learned that this, that's not the life I want. I want to go back to working so that I can be away from home for 10, 12 hours a day and come home and experience family for a little bit. I'm not saying like that's, this is right or wrong. I'm just saying that that could be the underlying element of protest. It's not necessarily the protest of what you're seeing visually it may not be actually the real protest. Right. <laughs> it could be it, the underlying yeah. protest is what's the manifest manifestation of the visual protest you're seeing, you know? Right. It could be that they're so, their, their suffering has become so great at home that they, right. yeah, for sure. It could, could be. And then there's just some assholes. That's just the nature of life. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's just, there's, you know, three or four just, assholes yeah. in the crowd. And then there's a lot of people who are just feeling a lot of different things that uh, I don't blame them, but then there's just some evil people. That's just like really son of a bitches out there, you know? And and that's just, the world is made up of a lot of different people, truly amazingly kind, selfless, better angels. And then there's some complete, utter pieces of shit out there. And that's just how it is, man. You know? Yeah. I I honestly um, don't agree with that. I, yeah. I hear a lot of people say that, uh, you know, there's people who are just pure evil. I don't believe that. I I believe that everyone 
on this planet, every human being, every being is, you know, uh, created from a divine spark that we all have that divine spark that we're all spiritual beings living a human experience that we all come from the same universal consciousness. Uh, I know you're Christian, so I'm, you know, that that's more God made us, right. God made everything. Um, I believe is, is how Christian uh, beliefs and, and Judaism as well, which is how I was raised. Uh, and I still am Jewish. I'm not, you know, never going to give up that part of me, but, um, I believe that what happens is when we come into this life, or maybe it's karma from previous lives, uh, we come into this life and we begin this process of conditioning. You know, the first time our parents says no, or the first time we're laying in our crib hungry, or, you know, little things that it doesn't mean you're a bad parent, but it starts to dim the light. It starts it starts to to make the soul a little less connected and when we when our needs aren't met our basic needs the the way that I learned them at the Chopra Center was um, sort of a distilled version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs which is uh, comes down to uh, appreciation affection acceptance and the other one that I'll think of in a minute attention so uh, those four things and when you don't get enough of any of those you live from a place of lack and fear and you act from a place of lack and fear and you're separated from, you know, or your divine spark is dimmed. Let's say, I don't think it's ever out. I just don't believe that. I don't so think they're the, born assholes for that. Right. I don't think that that's not my position. <laughs> that is not I'm my saying. position. My position that's, is that they're currently an asshole. That's what okay. I mean. They're currently a piece of shit. I mean, I hate to be like that, but I've known plenty in my lifetime, and uh, I don't think they're—I don't think they're born to be terrible people. I think I look at some people and think that was a beautiful child at one point, you know, and they just—they're caught up in so many different experiences and things. But currently, yes, they're an asshole. Currently, yeah, they could—they—they yeah. they, hopefully they become less of an asshole over time, um, and I would love to see that. I, I you know I don't fight with people on that sense, but. You know, there's always yeah. two or three people in a large crowd. You're like, really? I, I mean, really? possible. Yeah. I do. I mean, I think, you know, I see, I just watched this movie, the mindfulness movie that just came out this week. Um, Deepak Chopra and Jewel uh, put it mm. out. And some other really amazing people, Sharon Salzberg, cool. John Kabat-Zinn. Um, and, you know, they're teaching mindfulness programs in prisons now. And some of these people that you would consider evil. I mean, they're in prison for doing really evil acts. Right. Uh, are, are beginning to see the, their value. And they're beginning to get an idea of their, you know, they are made from, you know, a piece of divine, you know, divine spark, whatever sure. you want to call it, yeah. a piece of that God does reside within them. And, and when they start to see that, they start to shift their entire worldview and begin to live with a little bit more compassion and kindness. And, it, you know, it, it's uh, so I think it's possible. It is just, possible. Yeah. Like it you, I think is. that you start out and some bad things happen to you. And I don't think anything that happens to you 
it requires you to live as an asshole. <laughs> I think that no oh, matter what God. happens to you, <laughs> there's always a chance. It, you know, when I mean, think about Jules' story. I mean, she was homeless, yes. and yeah. you know, um, there's, there's. I think there's always a chance to find, you know, reconnect to your soul, your higher purpose, and serve. I agree. I totally agree with that. Actually, there's a good Netflix uh, series on college and prison, and uh, it's really amazing. I mean, you can like watch these prisoners become like to rethink their circumstances and um, become more intelligent about rational behavior and things of that nature. And I think, you know, if people who are out at things and they exhibit such terrible behavior, hopefully something or someone in their life will help them to understand, like, maybe this may not, this may not be the best approach, but, (laughs) um, Oh, I, I think it's great you disagree with me. That's perfect. I think it's good because, I, I mean, I think we should have disagreements and things, you know. I just, um, I think that are just people, they're just, there's nasty sometimes, you know. It's like, it's, and like consistently nasty over a long period of time. I think those are the type of people I was discussing, you know, mm-hmm. and that, you know, in a crowd, you're just going to have some people like that, you know. I hope that yeah. they're not stagnant in that over the course of their entire life, that'd be really sad. I think it's but, you know, really, really hard to make a shift when when you've gotten to an extreme. Uh, I like agree. That. I you agree. Know, because you just feed anger off of fear, off of anger, off of fear. And, yeah. you know, what you put out, you know, is what comes back. And I think it's really, really hard. And I, I don't know about living in prison, but I would imagine that, for prisoners, it's especially hard because you just have like this cauldron of, yes. you know, you're not supported to do spiritual practices or, you know, meditation, yeah. mindfulness, gratitude practice, all of these things. So I think well, that's it, what it, I'm I saying. It's really, really hard. It's like I had another visceral reaction. I'm like, you guys are hearing the the ugly side of me sometimes. I guess with that, but you know, when I saw protesting. And people yelling at nurses who were in the street with their mask on, just like silently oh, standing there and people yeah. throwing things, yelling at them. That hit me hard. I'm not going to lie. That hit me. My wife's a nurse and I know how much she cares about human beings and stuff, but I also felt really sad for the people doing that. And I thought, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know. And I sometimes I feel like I wish for somebody who would exhibit that behavior if you could play back the video to their face, be like, I want you to look at what you did. This person who was helping other people in a hospital, you're yelling at them. Like sometimes people get a sense of change too when they see themselves acting like from a different point of view, like they actually watch their behavior on video. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, some not all the time, but sometimes people get horrified by like, I did that because you, it's hard to see yourself when you're doing something. That's not great, right? You can't see outside yourself all the time when you're having uh, this crazy reaction to something, (laughs) you know? Right. And unless someone's taking a video of it, you you don't, yeah. You don't see yourself, you know? Personally, I'm kind of sick of seeing myself on video on... (laughs) You don't want to see yourself on video? Teaching on Zoom right now. You're done? (laughs) <laughs> Isn't there a way to hide the speaker? Except then no one could see me. So that did you see work. that video? Uh, there's an article about like Zoom or video conferencing fatigue. 
going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, I wonder if it's the same article that I saw. Oh, okay. But yeah, I, I did. And I completely agree. You know, I, I, uh, I get, I've never spent this much time in front of a screen. You know, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I write on my computer, but mm-hmm. when I'm teaching or even working with a client, at least it's, I don't know, it's just different than, than Zoom conference. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And um, it's so funny. We have a very similar brain of thinking of these types of things. And I was having a conversation and I said, you know, and they asked me because I obviously I do this all the time. I've been doing it for years. And I said, yeah, it, it definitely happened to me initially too. Seeing yourself in a screen is weird. It's yeah. very weird to see your reflection almost and constantly moving and talking and you're like looking at yourself, but then you're looking at the screen. You're like, what is this? Can I turn myself off on the screen? You know? Right. Exactly. It's distracting to me. It it, it can, it can definitely be very distracting. I totally understand that. For me, I think I just got used to it over time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to have to get used to this. And so now I rarely notice myself when I'm doing my sessions and every yeah. once in a while, I'm like, oh, let me look at my hair. Uh, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> Speaking of which, I was thinking of you when they closed the Canadian border, because I oh, know yes. you used to go to Canada to get your hair done. Well, there's a news update here. I've learned how to cut my hair myself. <laughs> <gasps> wow. Honestly, it looked good too, man. I was, my wife helped me. I'm, I'm looking at this YouTube video. I'm like, no, this is the internet. This is the awesomeness of the internet. I'm watching this video. It's like a six minute, learn how to do a skin fade. I'm doing it. My wife's doing the back of it. I looked at it. I go, oh my gosh, this looks very good. Like, oh, congratulations. Good. <laughs> Thanks. I actually trimmed my own bangs. Did you? How did it go? Much better than I would have thought. That's good. Because I, at the same time, had a, a headband out that I was ready to just wear for the next six weeks, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and just not have bangs or, or even a forehead, you know, just wear a headband. Yeah. But no, they, they, it less is more with bang trims, and I did less, and it came came out fine. But you know, for me, that was a really big uh, step into bravery because cutting my own hair isn't something I've done since I was probably nine, and I yeah. hid. I hid my hair in the drawer in my bathroom as if my mom wouldn't notice that I took a giant chunk of hair yeah. and cut it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a universal thing with a lot of people, right? They're like, Oh yeah. Cutting their hair is like become the a huge kids. deal. Yeah. Oh, Oh yes. Now. Yeah. It's uh, I love the celebrities that are getting all real, you know, root watch and you know, they're just like, well, this is how I look. Uh, you know, <laughs> This is how and I look. <laughs> I, I love, that's one of the things we didn't touch on a lot of that I, I think is really important is to see the good that's going on and, and the, the wonders that are happening, you know, the big concerts uh, and, and getting to see celebrities in their living rooms. And, you know, some of them are still pretty full of crap, um, <laughs> but we love them because of whatever reason we love them. But right, um, right. some of them are just getting so real. And it's, it, to me, that intimacy that they're sharing their space with, with us. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, our, it's a big social 
science um, experiment we're going through. <laughs> yes, it is. Right? It's, I mean, what we're talking about right now. The of our lifetime. Yeah. Uh, one, one would hope. I saw um, a video that uh, was put out that uh, if I could figure out how to get it off Facebook, I'd send it to you. But mm -hmm. it was a, a girl talking to herself. She's probably around 30 years old. And um, it's herself four months from now. And it was, you know, before the pandemic. So her, her four month older self comes back to say, Hey, you know, you should, uh, you should get a dog. And she says, well, I can't get a dog cause I travel for work. And then the future self starts laughing. Yeah. You're not going to be doing that. And, <laughs> and one of the things she says, Oh, the biggest, the, the current self says the biggest, um, you know, news of 2020 is the Australian fires. And the four months later self says, the what? Oh, yeah, the fire. Yeah, that's not a thing. You know, <laughs> just the perspective uh, that a few months can do. And I think this brings me to a point that I really want to make um, for people. And that is it's things are going to continue to change. Uh, they always do. With, without a pandemic, things always changed. Maybe we weren't quite as aware of it, but nothing stays the same. And being flexible and adaptable is really your best strength because you, you can't, you know, back to the concept of control, you, you don't have control. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, very few people can accurately predict the future. Even psychics who say they can, it's not always accurate. So your best bet is to keep yourself as healthy as possible, as resilient as possible, have a mindfulness practice. And go with the flow. Adapt, adapt, adapt. I think that's it's so important to be able to not be stuck and set in your ways, um, especially in our current climate, especially with this pandemic. You have to be flexible. Can you go say that to some people at the protests? Oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. I don't want to get into it. Okay, I'm done with that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we have any nearby. I don't think anyone in Oregon is. No, 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 no. I'm. You know what? I, I make light of it, but you know, it's all, uh, it's all like you said. It's it's it. We have a lot of rights in this country. Wonderful rights. Things. We have a lot of freedoms, and I've enjoyed traveling the world. And America's amazing, it really is. And there's a lot of other amazing countries, but you know, we have a lot of rights that a lot of places we don't have. You wouldn't have this right to the freedom of this expression. So uh, I applaud people that want to use different platforms to, you know, they have their voice, you know, and if we shut down everybody's opinion that was different from ours, there wouldn't be much going on. I mean, yeah, yeah, pretty stagnant, one mono colored, you know, world or, you know, nation. So yeah, that's certainly not a, not American standard. <laughs> no, no. And it's it's great that we have platforms like podcasts where people can talk about a variety of subjects and different things going on. I mean, the stuff I've heard is like blowing my mind over these past hundred plus episodes. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah. I like don't know a lot, actually, <laughs> you know. It, yeah, you have definitely given voice to such a wide variety of people and topics. And I've also noticed your progress too. I mean, you've, you've, mm. uh, you've up leveled a few times, uh, 
the you know the the speech the technology the the inquiry uh you're always good at inquiry but i think you're you're honing your skill for sure hopefully right thank you for noticing i think mm -hmm. i'm always thinking about it how can i get better how can i deliver a better uh opportunity for people to listen and um you know i'm not perfect you know there's there's episodes where i feel like maybe I wasn't as engaged as much as I should have, or, you know, I'm tired sometimes when I do these, honestly. <laughs> you well, know? I'm not surprised. I mean, you're so <laughs> prolific. It, you know, you could slow down. You, you I could. could try putting out, what did you do? A hundred in, in nine months or something? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. You know, it's funny. I try, like, I'm like, I'm not going to book anybody this week. And then, you know, there's like a point, I'm sure you're aware of like anything you do, like, like you're writing this book, your book's going to come out and stuff. Like once you reach a critical point where like, you've kind of gotten over the hump, it just starts coming to you, you know? So like, I'm always connecting. I love connecting other people. You know this. I like connecting other people to each other. If you connect enough people to each other, it starts this engine where it just starts coming back to you all the time. And yeah, you know, we have, we have our Darien's angels group. I yes. need to invite, I have a couple more people I want to invite but with uh, Michelle Zellner and Carolyn Brunson. Love the, them. The three of us meet regularly now. I really? Mean, you, you created that connection. Yeah. We're girlfriends. We hang oh my out gosh. I mean, virtually of course, but it's awesome. We actually had an in-person planned. Um, we were going to descend on Carolyn down in LA, mm -hmm. but we didn't, uh, didn't, didn't come to fruition maybe after this is yeah after things open back up but yeah you you created you create this is a great little you know podcast <laughs> spin-off group <laughs> i love it i think it's great i actually have michelle zellner in like 30 minutes on the podcast again she's coming back on oh, she and is. i was like oh. yeah and I, you know what i was thinking i'm always thinking i was like i want to have both of these ladies on the same day and then i'm going to release their podcast both on the same day and i think it'd be special it'd be fun Oh, MZ's awesome. Love her. She is. She's really, I'm looking forward to speaking with her. Much like I always look forward to um, speaking with you. Um, I think it was funny. I have a lady coming on. She's episode 125. And she goes, Darian, I want to be on the show. If nothing, if nothing else, you're just nice to people. I, I could use that <laughs> in my life. And I was like, okay. Sure, let's do it. You know, I mean, story sounds crazy, and I'm looking forward to what she's telling me. But um, you're awesome. You're amazing. You are very meaningful in my life, and um, I'm glad we know each other. Me too, Darian. Me too. So, thank you for coming on again. I know it won't be the last time. <laughs> thank you for having me, and I appreciate you uh, doing what you do, getting getting all these different points of view and people and topics out into the world. Uh, I think it's a really helpful thing for people to have that opportunity to listen to your podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Collins. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but... Don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. 
Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. Wow, almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to progressive part. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.